So basically, Colossians, we'll only have this one session on Colossians. I mean, honestly, Colossians, like who has actually read it and knows what Colossians is about? You know, it's kind of like one of those small books in the middle of the New Testament. You know, it's like Ephesians, Galatians, Colossians, Thessalonians, you know. So um, they all have a little bit of a unique angle. And yeah, why don't you just all flip there if you can or... Um, Pull it up. A lot of times study Bibles have like a little intro section. But basically, I just want to give you the background, the subject, why this was written. That was a church uh, fairly close to Ephesus. Um, and Paul had heard a word that although the church had been raised up basically by him, uh, that some other people had come into that church and were bringing in a new kind of teaching. And it was kind of captivating to everybody, and it was exciting, and it was uh, leading people in a new way that Paul hadn't led them. And it turns out that's destructive to our faith. So things might come in once or after we believe in Christ that might sort of seem attractive, alluring, right, um, but they could be destructive or counter to our faith. So what was going on in this scenario was uh, uh, philosophies of the age and the culture of the age. And we're coming in there and um, to translate it into our age would be, if you could kind of imagine something like, um, it could be that the American dream is brought into the church. It's something of our age, is it not? The American dream, to be successful, right? To be your own man. But what if you bring that into the church? And that you tell the people, you need to be individuals. You need to stand up for what's right. Mm -hmm. Don't let anyone take advantage of you. That's what our philosophy, that's what our culture says, is it not? But in the church, in, in the Bible, it says, let them wrong you. It's literally countercultural. Hey, Colton. And um, so, which is more true? So the Bible is supreme over culture, right? Paul's word, the word of God rules over culture, but without the book of Colossians, we may not have such a clear picture of that. And so, but in their age, in their age what was, you know, trumpeted was things like, I'm just going to run through some of them, like angel, things that we don't really worry, with, worry about so much, like worshiping angels, uh, circumcision, not touching certain things, like thinking that matter is evil inherently, um, self-chosen lowliness, all, all kinds of Things about uh, Gnosticism, like a kind of a special knowledge that only certain people had that you needed to have for salvation. Elements of Judaism. And they, they were struggling with that. But basically, you could lump all that under culture. So that's what Paul was, was uh, polemic. He was fighting against. And he was trying to get the church back into the church, back into the mission, defending the truth. And um, central to that, is chapter 3. Now, chapter 2 is kind of the, chapter 1 is kind of like Christ is the center of all the things that you need. He's the important, important person. He's, uh, he literally lists all these things to just ex extremely elevate Christ. Chapter 2, he kind of deals with the problems. And so, chapter 3, he's now talking directly to the church. He's like, okay, so if you are in Christ, then you know, X, Y, Z. So what follows is this relationship we have with the Lord. And it is key to the church. And it is called Christ is our life. And it's a really striking thing. It's not just Christ is our Savior, 
Christ is our hero. He's our... No, Christ is the believer's life. This is so central to CCS that we actually chose it as our theme verse. So actually, me and Tom and Jonathan have this on our hoodies. It's literally Colossians 3, 4. Christ, our life. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? And so we are right in the heart of our mission that um, in CCS you would find friends for life and you would find life in Christ. And so we don't just mean you know, human life, but we mean a divine, uncreated life. And that is our portion as believers, and it is in Christ. So to be defrauded or to be uh, led away from uh, Jesus Christ himself by things of culture is the risk. It's, it's attractive, but Paul's saying, no, if you go to culture but lose Christ, what a loss. Mm -hmm. What a loss. Christ is the, he's the one that he wants us to see, right? Mm -hmm. So for us to say that Christ is our life implies a lot. Implies a lot. Do you realize it implies that Jesus died? Right? Because, I mean, if, if Jesus had died before he wrote that uh, and not resurrected, you know, it was like Christ was our uh, living hero, I guess, you know. Um, or if Jesus was uh, alive at that time and had never died, for him to say Christ is our life would be for me to say, like, Tom is my life. <laughs> Another person alive at the same time as me. How could Tom be my life, right? It's a mysterious statement to say Christ is my life. It's very mysterious, is it not? So the first question is, how did Christ become our life? So I just want to draw real quick a little diagram to kind of show you diagrammatically how Christ is our life. And um, so it's this little diagram that we've drawn a lot for you guys. And my hope is that you would be able to do it. And it's on your wristbands too. It's on your wristbands. Colton, did you see that little wristband you have there? Okay, so I'll ask you some questions here. So on the wristband, we'll do it. Actually, we'll do the wristband version of it. So it goes down, right? What does that signify? What does that mean? Christ coming down to earth. Christ coming down to earth. So I'm just going to write a little um, I for incarnation. Excuse my bad handwriting. This is up here would be G for God. Okay, what is the next line? A little line like this. It goes to the cross. So it literally terminates in his death. So what would this be? His human living. In other words, it's important that he didn't just go and go straight to a cross right there as a baby. They didn't just crucify a baby, right? So what, did ha what happened here was he picked up human living. Here he picked up human nature, but here he picked up human experience. And so that if we were to ask him, do you know what it means to be tired or disappointed? He would say, yep, yep. You know what I'm saying? So he can be our life today. So I'll just put an HL here for human living. And then we, we know what this is, the crucifixion, right? In which uh, he terminated our old man. And we're going to look at that a little bit later. Um, we can lay down our old man because he terminated it. Okay, what's the next one? The little arrow down. Mm, that's him going to the burial. Going to the tomb. tomb. Buried. Crucified, buried. What's the next one? Uh, arrow pointing out. That's him rising. Okay. Okay, so I'm going to draw it to scale, or like the way the diagram has it. It's longer. So along the way, he rose from the dead, but he also rose into the heavens. You see that? And so this was just a very short interval of time. Just very, you know, basically compressing it. So destiny, he rose from the dead, and then he went higher to the heavens. And this is how he can become our life. And then he, what's the next one? Uh, us. Person. Right. 
He is now, so God, if you just track through this flow chart, can flow himself right into you. And the way you can diagram a person is with three circles. You all seen that? Destiny, what's the middle circle? It's the spirit. What's the, where's the outer circle? The body, right? Okay. But in your spirit, this is an S and this is also an S for spirit. Uh, S-O. Christ is your life. So, um, the Bible uh, gives us this statement. It doesn't really make any, like, uh, doesn't ham and haw and say, Christ is kind of like your life, or, you know, it's almost like He's your life. It's literally... So, okay, if that's true, then you literally are like a little piece of Christ. So I should really value you. If I love the Lord, I should love you. You're a member of Christ. And you can see that about yourself, and you can see that about other people. It's incredible that... We have a little bit of Christ assembled right here. Hey, Jalen. Okay. And so he says, if you died, so like um, Colton died, Cam, and that would be the old you before Jesus, the B.C. Have you heard of that? B.C., before Christ came into your life, died. Now it's before common era. Right. So you died. Uh, the verse says, seek the things which are above. How am I doing? Ugh, okay. Um, so we're still walking with our feet on the ground. We're still looking at eye level. But he says, your mind is what's available to you to decide whether you live only on the earthly plane or whether you identify with the heavenly realm where Christ is, right? And this little uh, line right here can actually be written with uh, two arrows because you have access to the heavens, right? So there's heavenly traffic all the time because of Him being the Spirit within you and also uh, in the heavens. And so your mind is what's the gate to kind of control whether you just stay looking at earthly things or whether the things of the heavens are more important. And... Um, I mean, wouldn't you say it's, it's hard to be led back to the heavens because the earthly things are attractive and, you know, occupying? Wouldn't you say? So the question is, how do we keep our mind? It's hard, wouldn't you say? So the second question is, how do we keep our minds set on the things above? That's what he tells us to do in this chapter. You know, put your mind on the things above, not on the things on, on the earth. So let's try to answer that as a group. And um, for this one, I just want to give us two verses as a lead-in here to this. And these are from Colossians 3.16 and Ephesians 5.18. So I want us to uh, go to Colossians 3.16. Jalen, you can get that one. And Reese, you get Ephesians 5.18 and just read them to us. Um, 3.16? Of Colossians. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through songs, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. All right, now we hit in short order Ephesians 5.18. My translation says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And 19, sorry. I needed 19 there. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. What are the common themes between these two verses? Okay, but there's some sp concrete 
I shouldn't say congregate. There's some words he said twice in both Colossians and in Ephesians. What words, what, what way did he tell us to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly and then let the spirit fill us? The Psalms and hymns. Yeah. Did you realize literally just singing Christian songs is a key? It's a key here for us to keep our minds set on the heavenly things. Something so easy to do is literally to sing to the Lord, which is why we have a song that we brought, and we can sing it. We can get a little, uh, a little outside of ourselves, okay? And, uh, and, and that's a really good way. Because the two things that you have to work with as believers are the Spirit and the Word. Your mind is going to follow... Uh, your spirit is deeper than your mind, and then the word is needed to kind of interpret the spirit. I don't want to get too like like out into the conceptuals, but in Colossians it's all about the word, but in Ephesians it's all about the spirit. But both are touched when you touch songs because they have words and they have a tune and they are filled with the spirit. So it's a really easy way to set your mind uh, back on the things above. So like. Um, just as an example, I could be literally uh, feeding my little four-month-old with a bottle, and then I could remember a song, and I could start singing it at that moment. Destiny, you could be, like, doing homework, and you could start singing. Cameron, you could be working in the, in the new restaurant and be humming a little tune, and your mind is not just on this earthly plane, but it's back up in the heavens. And the living that will be produced will be produced out of such a, a, a set mind Right. It's a beautiful living. It's full of virtues, and it, and it will be appropriate to the community that the Lord's mm -hmm. called us to. And I'm not even going to get into that, but that's also in this chapter. We'll call, yeah. we'll call that the new man, and the new man has a certain living needed, and it's full of virtues. And it's literally like paradise. It's the best place to live. It's where everyone's happy. No one's complaining. People are thankful. It's like uh, utopia. So anyway, um, we'll stop there for my uh, little 14-minute thing. And... Um,